This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the preview show. It is Friday. I am Stamford Chidge. And no, it's not Crackerjack for those old enough to remember that. It is the Chelsea Fancast and our preview show. And I am very much looking forward to it tonight because Chelsea haven't played yet, which makes it very different from Monday's show. It doesn't, doesn't, isn't that right, JK? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You over it? Yeah, no, definitely no, not. No, no. no. No, Lord. no, God, no, never dirty mind. Bastard, dirty bastard leads. Bastards, you don't I get know. over that. Apart from you all know. that, apart from all that, how are you? Okay, very good, thank you. Good. I'm very angry, angry Still? today. Very Still? angry. Why, why? The cricket was good. Oh, the cricket so- was wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Why are you Completely angry? Wonderful. Uh, just, uh, uh, just uh, Stuff. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a whole series of, I'm on the cricket committee and they've just asses and, they, you know, it's pettiness and... Uh, Politics, of- mate. Yeah, huge politics involved. It is ridiculous. People who's all retired from life and this yes. becomes really important for them. Yes. It's this running the choosing a team for a match yes. becomes unbelievably important. Yeah, they're all trying to create, create their own fiefdom. Yeah. They are. Talking of fiefdoms, my fiefdom, uh, obviously I have JK as we always do. Who else have we got on the show? I can't imagine the listeners have any idea who it might be, JK. <laughs> no, I can't imagine either. No, that, there's no clue given. None there at, at all. all. None at all. <laughs> It's the excellent Tony Glover. Good evening, and it is lovely, lovely to be back. This this is actually where my season starts because tomorrow is my first game back at Stamford Bridge. You were missed the other week. I waved to you, but there was nobody there. Nobody there. Nobody there. It was very. I I didn't get my season ticket in time to flog it to anybody. Really? Because I left. I went on holiday twenty first July, and I think it arrived about a week later. And I wasn't back until the 15th of August. So that was the end of that. So I couldn't even, you know, donate it to a friend or anything. So, yes. But then Whilst you... we still can donate them before they go digital. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a... Which means you're not impaired at all, are you, by the experiences of the uh, the transfer window and who? No, I'm impaired by by everything. But I want to actually get into the show before I start spouting off why. Yeah, that's a good oh, idea. Who else have we got on the show? We have a resident journalist. Do we well, not? Every week JK? I'm prepared for him, and every week he hasn't turned up. Oh, and he's been controversial already. Already. already, already, I know. And last Fighting week, I, I called Adam Newson Liam Toomey by mistake. I, yeah. think, I thought he was on, and I wasn't looking. I was looking at the screen. But no, here he is. Is the great, the excellent, the terrific, the superb journalist for the Athletic. It is da, 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 Liam Toomey. <laughs> Adam and I did a last-minute switch last week. No, I know you did. No, there's yeah. J.K. being all all bitchy, and I was actually praising you because I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I actually admitted it on the show last Friday, didn't I, J.K.? I said, Do you know what, you know, I, I was so disorganised last week, I hadn't even by uh, Thursday texted you, Liam, to say, oh, Liam, by the way, you know, you're on the show on Friday, blah, 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 blah. And so I hadn't even done that. And then I got this message from Liam saying, Chidge, it's Liam. Don't worry. Me and Adam have swapped because I've got to go out and do something. And it's all sorted. And I thought, that is the way it should work. This is I I brilliant. Chidge, I wasn't being bitchy. It's just well, we've, had, we've had Adam every week, you know. Yeah, I you, mean, can, you know, I can we not just ring the no, changes, you know? No one the, best, the best thing I saw for Liam He's this very week, good, though, yeah. What? The best thing I saw for Liam this week was... Uh, a there was a tweet went up which was linked to an article that he'd written for The Athletic. I can't remember specifically about it. About. And someone had retweeted and quoted it and gone, Christ on a bike, this bloke's got an agenda, you know, proper Chelsea agenda going here. And then he says the trail of that article is, he's a Chelsea reporter. <laughs> the Athletic and a Chelsea fan. Now, that bloke must have felt pretty fucking small because he had literally dozens of people just going, you do know that's what he writes about, you know, this sort of thing. It was, it was funny. <laughs> I, I wanted all, to defend Liam, but everyone else was doing it more, you know. It's all I ever tweet about and write about. It's, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, but apparently you've got an agenda and a, an obsession with Chelsea. Oh. <laughs> well, haven't we all? Haven't we all? Liam, it's lovely to see you back for the first time this season. I'm really looking forward to talking to you, and I'm going to kick off right now by doing that. Um, I, I, First of all, let's talk about the presser today. Um. A lot of them were concentrating on Tommy T's touchline ban. Um, from what I understand, he doesn't actually know whether he's allowed on the touchline or not. You may have more updated information, but he was a bit peed off by the fact that that uh, Conte seems to have got away with it and, and he doesn't. So can you update us on what's going on with that? Well, I, I believe it's been confirmed in the last couple of hours that the appeal's been rejected. So Tuchel won't be on the touchline. He can... I think he can, I think he can obviously travel up with the team, be in the dressing room, but he can't be on the touchline doing his normal um shouty his, pointy his normal thing. gestures, yeah. yeah, and shouts um from the technical area. Which He's I'm sure will be a devastating here. loss for him. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I I mean I wasn't at the press conference today. I read through the quotes, I could see it didn't surprise me that he would have a problem with with Conte not getting the same punishment. Um, I haven't read the full written reasons because I feel like this whole thing is not important enough. No, I know. It is <laughs> handbags, Pages and it? pages of written reasons about a handshake. Yeah. Um, but the, the the general gist I got was that they gave short shrift to Tuchel's argument that um, Conte didn't make eye contact with him when they shook hands and and so that that justified everything that came next something to bear in mind when next time you're at a wedding or something mm. you, know, you don't have to make eye contact with anyone you shake hands okay with. Well, bear be that in fair, mind put your hand out and move on to be fair to uh, to tommy t um 
the FA somehow managed only to assess the handshake uh, and the red cards, where in actual fact, I, it, they're just below me, as they, as you know, because I've waved at you before and you've you've thought, oh, my God, it's that irritating. <laughs> Jonathan. I'll just I've been for, there when you've done that. And Liam, Liam ran away and he, he did. He, ran away. Yes, he, he did. didn't want his friends to know. I don't blame he, him. And it's. And it's very hard to run away in that press box. It's very hard, very hard indeed. But um, um, he he hinted at this in the press conference, that it was actually much more complicated than that. And they had instigated a lot of it. And it was absolutely true. And it was trying to, I I mentioned this on the previous fan cast, there was a a very thin, one of the coaches, one of Conte's coaches, who every single time uh, Tuchel got up and went to the third, uh, to the fourth official, um, he came up and stood next to him and really aggressively looked at it, just looked at him, just kept looking at him. So, you know, um, he was pissed off by that, Tuchel. It was done deliberately. He just went you up and... find all of this stuff hilarious. Yes. Well, I, I find... Playground no, stuff. No, but it, it, no, but it, I find it, it very... Yeah, very yeah, 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 but it's hilarious. But what people seem to have avoided is that they both headbutted each other. And that's, this seems to have been missed completely. They what, absolutely... during the game? Yeah. Tuchel and Conte nutted each other. I still still hold, JK, how on earth did Antonio Conte nut uh, Tuchel? Because Conte's my height. No, but but for some strange reason, you seem to think Conte's a dwarf. He is. He's my bloody height. There was a picture of them with their heads together. And he's there and he's there. And they actually went back together like that. And that was was a bap. It was a bap. Not a whap. It was not a bap. It was a bap. Okay. There, no, was, so, there was aggro all game. Yeah, all game between the all two game between them. Yes, yeah. one of the main the reason players. being was that was that he'd been sussed. He'd been um, he thought they were going to roll us over, uh, Chelsea over, and and he, he did that Conte thing of just getting more and more angry in the first half and hugging himself as he does that thing and looking and because they they didn't they, they didn't do anything. They didn't have any shots. They didn't have the ball. Chelsea utterly controlled the game, and it absolutely pissed him yeah, off. They were they were winding. He was on the wind. Yeah, yes, Liam. Yeah. Um, the more salient point really is: Do you think it will have a negative impact on proceedings on Saturday, having Tuchel not actually on the bench? It's very hard to say, isn't mm, it? it? I is. think the the generally the communication methods that are available now to these coaching teams mean it doesn't matter too much you know i'm actually surprised more head coaches don't do what nigel pearson does and kind of watch from halfway up the stands like the rugby coaches because you get a much better view tactically of what's going on he could sit with jk didn't alex ferguson do that a lot as well for the what sit with jk yeah i like nigel i don't know him pearson's like the most Notable example, isn't it? Someone who does it all the time. Yeah. Mm. Well, managers used to I, do it a lot in the old days. They'd spend the first mm. half, you know, in the, in the yeah. director's box and then go down for the second half. Yeah. Tommy Doc used to go into that little eerie just above the the, uh, the, the ground, just near the George Hillston um, uh, weather vane. Yeah, where the, where the Chelsea TV comms position is now. Yeah. 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 And phone down like, even then. Yeah. Well, I feel like part of it, I feel like part of what they do is performative and i don't mean i don't mean that in the sense that it's you know entirely fake and 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 put on i think it's performative for the for their players um because i think it helps more easily transmit passion to to players than it than you maybe could do otherwise particularly when you're talking about really active coaches like tuchel and conte um and it also i think helps 
transfer energy to and from the crowd a little bit. And yeah. you've seen that. I mean, Simeone is a massive example yeah. of that, isn't he? He's like putting on a, a 90 minute performance for yeah. the fans to like riling them up like a rock star, yeah. um, almost more than coaching the team. I think a lot of this tactical stuff, I mean, the game plans, the, the, the formations, how the team lines up in various phases of play, that's all worked out in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in, in terms of the, the in-play coaching, there may be a little bit of shouting at certain players, reminding them of certain responsibilities. Um, but aside from that, a lot of this stuff is hashed out beforehand. And there, there's very little, I think, that there's very little of Tuchel's game plan that his assistant coaches wouldn't know yeah. and be able to relay. And the last time this all happened, of course, the Club World Cup semi-final, when Tuchel had tested positive for COVID and, and couldn't travel, um, they had a they had a system where he was he wasn't even sending instructions directly. He was sending instructions to his analyst Benny Weber, who was watching the game, and he was then relaying Tuchel's thoughts to um, the assistants on the touchline to to Zoltlo and Arno Michels. Um, I, I don't think it makes a massive mm. difference, to be honest. Well, let's hope so, Liam. I'll tell you what might make a massive difference uh, on Saturday is the fact that we now know that Kante's out for at least four weeks and Koulibaly is suspended. But apparently, on a brighter note, Kovacic might be available for 20 minutes, although I don't really see the point of that. But hey-ho, it's nice to see him coming back. Um, we were talking, obviously, about this on Monday, that, that Kante is a big miss, although obviously... You know, Kante's uh, loss is hopefully Gallagher's gain, but we'll see. Um, it seems to me to be rather unfortunate to be lumbered with uh, injuries to two of our key mid- midfielders so early in the season. I mean, is Tuchel a little bit worried about this or is he just playing it with a straight bat? I think he's he's worried in general about Kante um, because you saw how frustrated he was towards the end of last season when he was asked about it and... and was saying he's our key 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 player he's our Salah he's our De Bruyne but he only plays 50% of the yeah. games I think yeah. it's a real source of frustration for, for Tuchel and you saw he said again today they felt really good about the individual program that, that Kante had been on actually I think Tuchel would have preferred if all of his players had been able to train at Cobham for most of the pre-season rather than flying around America in multiple time zones and we all know why that happens but um you know, in terms of Tuchel's perspective as a coach. So I think they felt that individually, Kante was really physically well prepared for the season. And the fact that in August, you get a bit more of a gentle start one game a week, um, that that there was going to be less stress on him. And yet he still ended up with a muscle injury um, and, and one that is going to keep him out for at least a month, quite possibly more than more than that. So... It's a it's a real blow. I think it adds to the broader dilemma that Chelsea have around Kante now as he's in the final year of his contract because we know how... We have recent evidence from the Tottenham game of just how great he can still be at his absolute best and how much he can elevate everyone else. Um, but how often are you going to get that? Yeah. And and if you're not getting it that often, how much do you pay for that yeah. going into his He's still one of, one of the highest earners, isn't he, Liam? Yeah, he's... Um, I, I, he he was number two behind Lukaku. I think he's on about two ninety a week, mm. Um, mm. which has been completely earned. Yeah, you know, yeah. From Kante's perspective, in terms of the play he's been for Chelsea, but if he's missing games, and 
the other thing is Kovacic isn't entirely unpredictable either. You know, he he's had a fairly long his, history of injuries, not necessarily serious ones, but you can virtually guarantee he's going to miss one or two stretches of time per season. That's just been his history. Um, it's the rhythm, then, isn't it, they get out of, because he was mentioning it, yeah. how it was important that, that Kante played just because he gets better and better and is in a rhythm. And he was hoping that the, he was saying today in the conference, wasn't he, that it was a press conference that he was uh, um, absolutely world class. And it's uh, and it's it's leaves a hole in the team's performance, a huge hole. It does indeed. Well, Ta- I think their Sorry, bodies get in. Go well, on. I just say, I, I think their bodies get into rhythms as well yeah. of of match action, recovery, match action, recovery. And if you get out of that cycle, if you're a player that's used to playing 50, 60 games a season and suddenly you get an injury that takes you out of that cycle, you can find that when you try and get back into it, you pick up other injuries that you, you never would have suffered before and, and your your rhythm gets disturbed in ways that it wasn't in the past. Well, that seems to be a pattern that Kante can't really get out of. Mm. Tony Olbein, sorry, you want I to say something? Literally, um, I, I was deeply unpopular the, before the start of last season because I advocated the sale of Conte or uh, Kante and, uh, and and looking to replace him because of this increasing unreliability. And I got sort of shot down with people saying, yeah, but he plays, he's played so many games in so many years and all this. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to say it here, his, his injury record makes him unreliable. And, and I think... You, you can't build a team around somebody like that. If he's his last year of the contract, we should be, or Tuchel or someone should be either seeking um, a replacement that's like for like or can do that sort of job or looking to change things around. So, you know, there's a chance for Conor Gallagher to step up. I, I still maintain um, that with all the faffing around we've done in the, in the in the summer, I think if we'd have chucked 80 or 90 million quid at West Ham, we would have got Declan Rice. I think he would have just made it like Fafana's doing, would have just because Fafana isn't playing. I'm assuming because he's his head's gone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's got he's got the carrot of Chelsea dangling in front of him. But um, you know, I, I've I've loved Kante in the past, but it, 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 we are more without him than we are with him, and, and I think that's been the case for a couple of seasons now. Yeah, definitely. Um, Liam, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier that that. Kante being unavailable might be Conor Gallagher's gain. I mean, it, you, you, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's interesting because this time last week, Mark and J.K. were adamant that, that Gallagher would start, and I wasn't so sure, and yet he did. Which, I mean, okay, it was a horror show for everybody there, so I wouldn't pin any blame on Gallagher. But do you think Gallagher is very much in the frame with Kante, and certainly Kante out and Kovacic not fit yet? Yeah, I think he will start again against Leicester. Um, the only way he wouldn't, you would say, is if Loftus-Cheek gets moved inside. Um, but if Tuchel keeps him at right wing back or benches him completely, I think Gallagher will will keep that spot. I mean, Leeds was a really tough start for him. and he, he wasn't alone in struggling, but it's a position that isn't his ideal one. He's more he's a natural number eight. He's, he's box to box. One of his best attributes is is arriving in the box at the right time to score. And that's one thing that these number sixes never do in this Tuchel system. That's not their job. Their job is to to sit and to control play from, from deeper positions. So I think that's an adjustment for him. But then the fact that Leeds were just pressing that that area and swarming it so intensely. He had three on him was... on occasions, three on him. Yeah. 
and he it got dispossessed, real... but it was so difficult for him. I felt for him, actually. He got physically pushed out. He got targeted slightly, I felt. Every time he was on the ball, somebody was absolutely straight in there. I thought they, they were making... hunting impacts, weren't they? It was yeah. a real... Yeah. It, and there were a couple of times when, you know, he he sort of was waiting for the ball to come to him and someone nipped in front of him and got the ball and, and got leads out in transition. That's just an adjustment, I think. And it, it's an adjustment to the to the intensity that you're going to face when you're playing in a high possession team, how quickly you've got to make those decisions. And to be honest, you're not going to face much bigger pressing tests this season than Leeds would throw at you. I don't, I'm not sure if Leicester are capable of might be end up with egg on my face, but I, th I think they they will try and press Chelsea, but I'm, I don't think they're as good at it as no. Leeds are. I think very few teams are. Yeah, I'd agree with that totally. Um, given that we've got injuries to our midfield, and I mean, you know, we've got what about five, six days for the transfer window before deadline day, and it all gets shut, and Jim White, you know, gets his knickers in a twist. Um, from what we understand, apart from Frankie de Jong, I mean, I don't know how, how I don't know the validity of that. We haven't been in for a midfielder at all. And I mean, when asked about it, Tuchel said, oh, well, why would I be? I've got, you know, and he reeled off all the midfielders that we've got, conveniently ignoring Billy Gilmore, of course. But do, do you think there are any potential? I mean, you know, I know we're talking about Fafana. I know we're talking about Aubameyang. You know, are we are we likely to get any more arrivals? I mean, Tuchel again played it with a straight bat and said, "Well, you know, if we get some more, we get some more. If we don't, we don't." And I'm happy with that. But uh, do you think we might get a few more? They're only interested in signing 18 year old midfielders um, who are some of the best in the world at, at their position. I mean, this is Russian funny. kid that's uh, kind of cropped up this week. Is he Russian? Yeah, his name uh, his name escapes me. Yeah, I've, me too. Because with Zed. Yeah, I'm gonna to have to learn learn that one. If the Lania or something. I remember. I'm not. I'm not sure if he's a central midfielder in the way that Chukwemeka and Cassidy both are. Mm. Um, but he said he seems to be another one. Of, I think he's another sort of six foot tall, quite technically polished midfielder that can play a few different roles. They certainly have a type in this window. Um, Chelsea's new owners in terms of the young Arson. Sorry, Liam. Arson Zakarian. Zakarian. I would Zakarian. say. And apparently, okay. according to at Chelsea database, that font of knowledge, he made the second most line-breaking passes, 46, in the Russian Premier League in 21-22. Line-breaking? Yeah. An American reference. So seven, no, it means that he passes through the line. Seven goals and six assists. Loves line-breaking yeah. passes. Yeah. So, you know, um, pff, who knows? But yeah, so, I mean, those are the kind of midfielders they've been focusing mm. on in, in this window for one reason or another. Um De Jong was someone that they were looking at opportunistically because of the situation at Barcelona, it looked like he might shake free and they, and Barcelona were clearly doing everything they could to, to make De Jong leave. Um, but if, I mean, there are, there are reports today coming from Spain that De Jong has decided to, to stay and negotiate a deferral or reduction in his salary. If that's the case, then he's completely off the table, and I, we haven't heard any other any other high-profile names. I think I think Chelsea are aware that they do need a succession plan for Kante and Jorginho in that position, whoever that that ends up being. But I think in this window, they they saw that there were areas of greater need. They basically needed a whole new defence, or at least two really high-level defenders immediately. And they went into the summer with five of the seven senior attackers unhappy 
um, in one form or another. It's pretty much only Mount or Havertz that were that were nailed on to still be in the squad this year. So, and and they wanted wing back cover as well. So everywhere other than central midfield basically needed surgery. I think that's that's the main reason we haven't seen too many names um, or, or too big a pursuit in that area. But De Jong was just one that they thought he's they they regard him as world class. Um, and they thought he would have been that kind of elite succession plan. Mm, no, fair enough. What about Aubameyang? I mean, J- Jonathan and I are quite certainly quite keen that he arrives. Um, is there a chance? Yeah, there's a chance. Um, I mean, Tuchel, Tuchel obviously really likes him. I think if he comes, I think it will be primarily because of Tuchel, mm. um, because he's he's worked with him before. I don't think it particularly fits the model of whatever of anything of everything else Chelsea are doing you know it's it's an even more extreme age gamble than Koulibaly was um you sign it I I'd be if it does happen I'll be fascinated to know what contract they give Aubameyang because he's 33 I think anything more than two years could be extremely dangerous from a wage perspective yeah, definitely um but there's there's no doubt you know I think he was good at, he, he had a very good record at Barcelona when he when he went there so he's clearly still in good form um, he's the type of he's the type of forward that Tuchel wants in that he's not a fixed number nine. He could go along with that kind of positional interchange with the with the three guys we've seen starting games so far this season. But he's also a clinical finisher, which yeah. is what they need above all it's, else. It's and I don't really not, see who else is out there who fits that mould. Is, is Tuchel not a fan of strikers then? Because I I, I despair at the moment. I I, I get the sense of. A, a growing unhappy camp but that could just be because it's the first season new owners and all the traumas of last season and everything like that but even I can see that Havertz and Sterling they won't get you 20 goals between them I don't think I genuinely don't think neither of them are out and out strikers they're just not and and what's our problem been for the last two years goals getting goals well, um, well, just just to butt in, Havertz and Mount did get twenty goals between them last season. Right between them, yes, fantastic. That's up there with world class, isn't it? Then, well, uh, yeah, but you said that they, neither of them will get twenty no, goals. I don't, I don't, well, that last season, I don't, I just don't see Havertz as a, as an out and out. I mean, he might be thinking he can convert Havertz in the same way that um, Wenger converted Henri, but I know I've seen absolutely nothing to suggest that. He could be another Henri in terms of you know goal scoring capability and uh, and that sort of thing. And Raheem Sterling, Christ Almighty, I, you know, I, I'm, my jewelry is very much out on that as a purchase. Apart from the fact that he's a lot younger than I thought he was, and therefore you know he deserves the chance or whatever. But I remember thinking, you know, I go back to when we lost to Iceland, England lost to Iceland or whatever in the. In the Euros and thinking that's just the worst. I mean, the bloke couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, and and now he's lining up as if he's going to be the bloody saviour of us. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see who's our clinical, who's going to scare the shit out of defenders like Costa did, like Drogba did. None of them. None of them. Mm. And Obama Yang, at least he's got that kind of fear factor about him, even if he isn't quite as aggressive as, as those two in terms of. Bullying, or even uh, Giroud, who who used to absolutely terrorise defenders. Um, but we just, uh, you know, that, that's my just with perspective. It's very early in the season, but I, unless we buy somebody, I just well, think that, that's why I think a Bamiyang would be a good buy. 
Yeah, I really yeah, do. Yeah. I'm in favour of a back He is a striker, and I take your point, yeah. Tony. Mount is not a striker. I don't think Havertz is a... Well, he's not a number nine. Yeah, I'd no. say he was a striker, but not a number nine. You know, I think it is one area we need. Of course, the downside of that, Liam, is that uh, Brozier would no doubt go back on loan. Although, of course, Brozier might go on loan anyway, knowing Tuchel and, and Chelsea. So what's... What's what's the situation there? I mean, am I right? If if Aubameyang comes in, Brozier's almost definitely going to go out on loan. If Aubameyang doesn't come in, will Brozier stay? Well, if Aubameyang comes in, I would expect um, I would expect to push more from his side and his people's side to get him out. You know, in this window, and and we've seen from Bowley and and Clear Lake already that. They don't want to sell these young academy guys, you know. Where possible, they want to loan them and and keep keep them in the fold and and let them develop. Um, so I think that would probably end up being the compromise. But we, I mean, we saw earlier in the window, you know, when when Breuer had interest from the Premier League from West Ham before they moved on to Skamaka. Um, there, there was, you know, they they his him and his people pushed for that. Um, before Chelsea kind of really put their foot down and said, "Look, you're not leaving, um, at least not yet." So I think I think if if no one comes in, the minutes will be there for Breuer, um, either off the bench or, you know, he could he could earn starts on on merit. There'll be lots of games this season. Havertz has missed time in previous seasons for Chelsea, um, so I, I think there will be opportunities for him. Mm-hmm. But if Aubameyang comes in, it becomes harder to make that case. Um, to to a young player that he's going to get those minutes to develop, particularly when he feels like West Ham are probably gone, but there are other options in the Premier League, other clubs that would still be interested in him. Yeah, They're very different players, Broyer and Aubameyang. Broyer's yeah. very pacey and... Um, Aggressive. Uh, yeah, it, but Aubameyang's a bit... There's a kind of silkiness about him and, uh, and, a, and a sneak. But also, as you say, he's, he's a proven... Yeah, proven proven at the highest level. And, well, you, and, and you too mentioned co- Tony. Sorry, you mentioned Tony. You mentioned Henri, and Aubameyang is pretty much as close in this generation as as we've got to Henri in terms mm. of style of player. I'm not saying he's as, he's as good as Henri was, but in terms of no, style was, of was, player, the positions he takes up, yeah, type of more, goals he scores. I, I I would like to see Aubameyang in. I think we need that, you know, and and to keep Roger. And, and so we've got you know, a, a choice of strikers and two if we really needed to use it. what I call out and out goal scoring poachers. And I I I'm just getting a bit, I guess, impatient, not impatient, a bit frustrated with this, you know, it's sort of got Guardiola kind of thing. We can play a whole season without, you know, a a, 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 a what you might call a, a typical striker or a, an archetypal striker and we can still win the league. And I, I still think there's a place for those what you know, the people that terrorise it. And and the point Really was that um, you know Henri Henri was converted I think from a winger wasn't he and Wenger took him and everyone went what are you trying to do with him and he turned you know look look at the player he became yeah. um, I, if I thought Havertz had that about him I'd say fine but I just don't see it. I just don't see any remote yeah. you know well we uh, need to see if he can get a tune out of Havertz so it'd be interesting to yes. see could be you know now or never for him um it's now or never for the Champions League we we had the draw yesterday which I think was really quite a lot of fun. I mean, AC Milan, so that means Tamori and Giroud will return. Uh, always a you know a big pull, AC Milan, although I don't think they're anything like the team they used to be in that respect. Uh, FC Salzburg, 
who I know absolutely nothing about, and Dinamo Zagreb, which just really awakens so many childhood memories of these wonderful kind of Yugoslavian, I am that old, <laughs> Yugoslavian sides who were absolutely brilliant. That's, that's, that is fantastic. I thought the hilarious thing about the presser, though, Liam, was the fact that Tuchel said, yeah, but Kovacic is buying all of the away tickets for the, uh, the, the you know, the players and the players' families for all three ties because he has links to all of them or something. I'm not quite sure how he has links to Salzburg, but there you go. Well, he was born in Linz in Austria. Was he really? So that was what Tuchel was getting at, yeah. Oh, right. I didn't know that. And of yeah, course, he actually started his career at Linz and then uh, Dinamo signed him from there. Mm. And of course, Croatia's a, a, a you know he's he's he, he is Croatian, isn't he, or is he Slovenian? Yes, he's he's Croatian. He's Croatian, but he could have played for Austria as well. Right. Okay. He, okay. He played so. for Croatia, and he played for Inter Milan. That I do know. I mean, what do you think? I, I think that's a good draw for us. Actually, I think we've avoided any of the really big, 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 big boys. Um, and the other two teams are not shit. I mean, you know, I, I I've seen Chelsea do this before. You know, with the really, really shit teams, they kind of take their foot off the pedal and get caught cold. And Malmo last season was a good example, although we we got through quite happily. I mean, Tuchel was very, I thought, you know, what I would call typically Tuchel about it, saying that there's no easy games, we treat everything seriously, and, you know, it's always tough. And I, I think that's the right approach to have. But as a supporter, I think interesting teams, you know, a team we've not played before, and some great trips. I mean, the Croatia, Zagreb will be brilliant, Salzburg will be a great trip, and AC Milan... In the San Siro, what's, what's not to like with memories of Dennis Wise and chocolate spaghetti? That's for another day, the chocolate spaghetti story. But anyway, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's a great journalist away day uh, group as well. I mean, I, I went to Zagreb earlier this year to do a piece on, on Kovacic and Modric's friendship before the Chelsea-Real Madrid tie. And I visited Dinamo um, and, and spoke to people there. And I don't get the sense that that, that club is at a particularly high ebb. Mm. at the moment you know they've got a really proud history of, mm. of producing great croatian players and a fantastic academy but they don't really have a duel right now in their team a young croatian that you're really excited about um they, they've sold quite a few of them one of them that i think probably the most recent one they had was uh Gvardiol, the defender that chelsea had been linked with but they sold him to rb leipzig so that they don't have any of those players that you would look at in their team sheet and think that's someone we're really really worried about um as chelsea and i think generally with the group there were some dangerous possibilities in that draw you know i was looking particularly at borussia dortmund and inter in pot three thinking you get a bad pot one team and then one of those two i mean you saw what happened barca bayern inter that is one hell of a group that's uh, as well and Poulsen as well. So I think those three will end up with 10 plus points, mm. which is the worst scenario for that. That Those are the perfect conditions for going out in in really agonising fashion mm. for someone. I was convinced um, we were going to get into because of Lukaku, obviously. Yeah. But a- AC is a great, yeah, M- Milan's a great uh, narrative one for the reasons he said. You know, yeah. Tamori left Stanford Bridge under under a cloud, under, under a cloud of disillusionment. He'll return as a Serie A champion and, um, and I'm sure Olivier Giroud will get a, a hero's welcome as well. I think he's uh, I mean, he's he's been just as popular in Milan as he was at Chelsea. I think that he did so much for the club. Definitely. Um, and then you look at RB Salzburg again. They're a club in recent years that have developed some really big names, chiefly Haaland, obviously. Although they didn't have him for too long. RB is Red Bull, isn't it? 
Yeah, UEFA can't say it, so they're FC Salzburg. Of course, because um, it'd be advertising, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, they're 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 another team who I sort of class similarly to Dinamo in that they've got a really proud developmental record in recent years of of really good young players, but they don't have that really impressive or really hyped young player right now. They, I think they had Benjamin Sesco, who was the the number nine that. Chelsea were linked with and Man United were linked with, but they've just sold him to Leipzig. Um, so I think this group has actually sort of aligned at quite a good time for Chelsea. And it, you know, if if we get to sort of two games left and Chelsea's qualification is in any question at all, something's gone seriously wrong. They should be, they should be safe in this group yeah, pretty yeah. easily, and they should be in it to to win it really because Milan are on the way back. They're a good team. They're they're, they're well run. But Chelsea have far more resources and far more talent than anyone else. I think the last few years have proved, and I and I would imagine COVID's not done the Italian, well, the Serie A any favours either. But the, the last few years has proved how far ahead the Premier League is compared to Serie A. So I don't I don't see it being too much trouble getting AC Milan. I think getting a a, a, a gnarly Spanish team or a decent German team would have been much trickier. So I think in the comparative hierarchies of the leagues. I don't think Serie A are the are the force that it that it was when I was a when I was a young lad watching Golazzo. It was all very different then. Um, snuck away this week, almost under the radar, really. Liam is that we've got a fantastic uh, away tie in the Caribou Cup against a a lovely lower league team that we've never played before or haven't for years, haven't we? That's right. Yes, Man City away in the Caribou. Brilliant. I actually completely missed this when the draw was made because I never know when these draws are happening anymore for these domestic cups, particularly the League Cup, which seems to take place at really strange times. But um, yeah, it's a it's an early decisive one, isn't it? And it's one that when that comes out of the hat, every other team, every other non-Big Six team, I think is is rubbing their hands because suddenly you've got a much clearer path to a potential semi-final or, or even a final um, but it's also interesting because you're going to get Carabao Cup lineups from both of these yeah, he won't take it seriously Guardiola he won't yeah so you never know what you never know really what to expect from these early round Carabao Cup clashes even when they're two massive clubs they tend to be very strange um, 11s on both sides so it, I think that adds an extra element of, of chaos to it but it could also make make it a little bit more interesting from Chelsea's perspective because you you might even get to see guys like Chukwamika and you know guys that are kind of on the on the fringes or or if they stay around Breuer you know um, and Gallagher as well and you know they, they could get really big roles in a in a game like that and it could be a very nice early test for them it could Liam, be can I ask you a question about the the three youths that he's bought? Are they are they supposed to be knocking on the door of the first team, or are they purely for the future? Will they play with the development squad? Well, Chuka, what's his name? Was on the bench, wasn't he, against Leeds? Well, Ch- yeah, Ch- but I, is uh, is playing with the development squad as we speak um, at right. Kings Meadow, and I think that I was told at the time when the deal was completed, he wouldn't be going out on loan. So he's training with the first team. I think he's playing with the development squad to keep. But so the idea is to, is to place him into the first team when necessary, rather than just. I was just worried they bought them for the future. But you think are they going to be cotton wooled or just be playing, you know, with with the youth 
Um, but if they're targeted, if they're going to be training with the first team, there's the potential for them playing all season. So in actual fact, we haven't just bought uh, um, uh, Bali and and one other. We've actually got these these boys are are, are going to be uh, um, competing for places in the first team. I think the idea is to to give them the chance to see what they can earn. Yeah, you know they they train with Tuchel, they work with Tuchel every day. The Cassidy is a little bit further behind, as Tuchel said. He, you know, he needs to come in and get his fitness up and get acclimatized and learn the language a little bit. And yes, he he's not even playing for the development squad yet. And Slanina, the other one, is um, has been loaned back to MLS for the end of that season, so he he won't be joining Chelsea until January at the earliest. But All right, right, right. Who, who knows after that? Maybe because goalkeepers develop in a different way and. And they're not typically rotated in the way outfield players are. It'd be interesting to see whether they take a different tack with him and maybe find a club in Europe that needs a starting goalkeeper at a reasonably high level and, and see if he can make that step up. Speaking mm. of goalkeepers, do you feel that Mandy should uh, should step down? He stepped down as a consequence of the the third glaring error in within uh, six months. I did a big piece on that this week. Oh, um, missed it. I'm sorry. Didn't you read it, J.K.? <laughs> missed it. I don't, I've read three articles on the in the Athletic today, which I <laughs> well, I read one on Delhi Alley. I was really intrigued by okay. it but, um, with with Frank, but uh, I, I missed yours. I'm so sorry. So no, uh, that's fine. No, I, I did a piece with our one of our data guys, John Muller, and also asked um, our goalkeeping analyst and, and an independent goalkeeping expert about Mendy, particularly about his distribution and how how good slash bad he actually is with his feet relative to to other top goalkeepers and he's not he's clearly not Allison or Edison uh, no. but he's in in the in the aggregate he's been pretty good with his feet for Chelsea in terms of the, the, the short passing decisions he makes hitting the ball slightly longer of course he hit that great ball out to the left wing in the Champions League final and that directly led to Havertz's goal um, so he does have some sort of distribution chops. You know, he's he's not just a pure shot stopper who can't use his feet at all, but he does have certain specific issues to iron out. One is he can get the ball stuck under his feet, which was a big problem with in the Jared Bowen incident and, of course, against Leeds. I think that kind of that kind of doomed him against Aronson. Aronson his first touch spins backwards, he retreats, and and then he's kind of short of booting the ball out of play which I think he probably should have done um he he kind of gets himself into a really bad situation and he also occasionally passes the ball to his left um and gets that wrong which is what he did for Benzema um, and they knew I it I, I mean I hate listening to talk sport but actually Jermaine Beckford was fascinating I just happened to catch it by accident but he was saying that he had a chat with Aronson and somebody else at Leeds, and they were saying that they specifically targeted that because they knew that that's what he does. He tries to pass from his right to his left, and of course that wastes time, and they can they can get in, which I thought was fascinating. Well, there, are, there are there are no secrets at this level of nope. sport. You know, they do so much scouting. They're, they've got entire departments of people is it, looking is at it, looking at this video ahead of every game to do this kind of prep it, work. So, is it ability or is it just is it just um, you know, away with the fairies moments, you know, like lapses in concentration. We all get them at work when, well, like when I used to work, but you get a, a moment in the afternoon where you might be working on something and then you kind of glaze just momentarily for a few seconds. It would be enough to, and it, it always looks to me 
when these errors occurred, it was the same with Kepa, that they were more to do with, with that than their actual goalkeeper ability, their football ability. It was this, like, they've switched off for a moment and people have either spotted it or been coincidentally lucky to, 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 to try something at that moment. I think it's it's partly consistency of technique. So you can get you can take one bad touch as a goalkeeper and then it just snowballs from there and you get panicked into another bad decision and then before you know it you've conceded a goal or just given the ball away. Um and these are all really split second decisions mm. as well. Like I know I know he had a bit of time, but Aronson was at as you said, Shish, they they'd obviously targeted this. It wasn't even the first time in the game that they directly charged him. Um, Dan James did it about 15 minutes earlier and and Mendy like basically sold him a dummy he leaned to his right and chopped the ball to his left and 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 left James away and I think that moment influenced what happened with Aronson because Aronson's coming towards him and he's thinking I haven't got an easy pass because Aronson's sort of cutting off the passes to the right I'll just try and do what I did last time which is um, you know sort of chop the ball to my left and then play it away but his first touch is bad. And then he tries to sell Aronson, but he doesn't move the ball anywhere. Um, so Aronson is still coming forward and is able to just poke the ball away. Mm. It, it all happens very, very quickly. And it looks obviously horrendous when, mm. it, when it does happen. <laughs> I, I said in the intro to my piece, like I don't think there's anything, or well, there are very few things more viscerally infuriating for supporters than when their goalkeeper makes a mistake like that that directly leads to a goal. It's just there's just something on an emotional level that's really especially hard to take. That. It's also got nothing to do with the state of play. I mean, my view was that um, we we were pretty good for the first fifteen minutes, which seems to have been forgotten by all the media in that game, um, and should have scored three times. Um, but somehow um, the goal suddenly being scored um, changed all of that. And then they scored the one from the uh, the free kick, which was. You know, a, a very decent free kick and a decent header, but it the whole pattern of the game changed completely. Yeah, on these yeah. two moments. the whole mood of the stadium. Yeah, if you're no, in the stadium, a well, goal like that. Like well, the, the crowd the loved crowd it. Just went yeah, crazy. Exactly. Leeds went up. I mean, it validated everything Leeds were doing tactically. So they went up. Their energy levels shot up. And I, I've never seen a team give away a goal like that and get anything from a game. I just don't think it, you can do it. I think. Well, it's it kills it. Momentum shift. It kills it mentally as well, I think. But there you go. Hopefully that will not happen this Saturday because we don't want that to happen because we want Chelsea to win. Liam, I mean, unbelievably delightful to see you again. You've clearly summered well. You're looking on great form. It's a delight to have you back with us as it always is. Hopefully we'll get to see you sometime this year for a quick half somewhere. Uh, but uh, no doubt I'll see you back here. You're not, you're not here next Friday as well, are you? What, what, what uh, Faustian pact yeah. did you do with Adam that I'm not unaware of? <laughs> I think... I think because we switched, I'm now doing two in a row. Okay. So I think I am. Great. So we'll have the uh, the transfer deadline day lowdown from you next Friday then, won't we? Because it'll be all over the by post-mortem. then. The post-mortem. The post-mortem, yeah. Well, okay, I'll bear that in mind. I'll actually might do something intelligent next week on the show. You never know. Strange things have... Uh, never ceased to happen. No, right? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll come as badly prepared to it as I did today. I mean, I'm still covered in mud from the allotment, so you know. Anyway, whatever. Liam, as always, mate. Brilliant to see you, um, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yeah, Cheers, you Liam. Nice to see you again. Great stuff. There we go. The lovely Liam Toomey from The Athletic. Uh, a fine uh, place to go and do your uh, homework and reading, as JK will tell you. He he will vouch for that. 
Yes, indeed. Now uh, we're going to have a quick... really informed. Great to have him on the it, show. It wasn't it just? Yeah, absolutely. Always lovely to see him. Right, uh, we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to come back. No opposition view this week because I've been too busy to go and. I mean, I actually had a Leicester bloke lined up, but I've just been too busy all week. Anyway, uh, no worries. We're going to preview ourselves, which is kind of what this show's all about. So do not worry. We'll be back in. A... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. A minute. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show with me, Stanford Chidge. Him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And him up there, Mr. Mr. Glover Man. Glover, Glover Man. Bonsoir. It's good to see you, Tony. Lovely to see you. Uh, we missed you uh, at the beginning of the season. I will be waving to you tomorrow. If there's a spare seat, I might even come and say hello. Anyway. Well, yes. And uh, if you're in the uh, Atlas tomorrow, I might pop in. I will. I, yeah, definitely. I've got to meet Martin, pick up me Saints tickets. So I'll definitely be there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm leaving. Uh, I gather. I gather. I'm leaving here about half 11. So. Should be there by about one o'clock, I think. Marvelous. So I'll, down. I'll, right. I'll send you a message first. Anyway. All right, lovely stuff. Now uh, we always start uh, the pre our own preview of D show with the uh, uh, the team selection, and I sh- I hasten to add this is the team that I would like to see us pick, not the team that I necessarily think that Mister Tuchel will pick, and it is J.K. Eduard Mondi, Trevo Chaloba replacing the suspended Koulibaly. Uh, Silver, 
in the centre. I think Aspilicueta actually, uh, right centre-back, because he can play there. Uh, Jorginho, obviously. Uh, Gallagher, I think he will start with Gallagher, with Kante out and Kovacic not fully fit yet. Uh, Cucurella and James as the wing-backs, so same 3-4-3 system. And I think he'll stick with the same front three because I think that's what he's going to do. What I what I would add to that as a as a as a caveat, if you like, or a, a, an insurance policy for me being a twat, I can see him. I can see him playing Cucurella at left centre back instead of Chiloba, who I think he doesn't rate, uh, and then playing Chilwell at left wing back, which might be interesting. And I can also see him doing what he did last week, which is to play James at right centre back. And Loftus Cheek at right wing back, I I think that I would not like I would not do that myself. I would like to go as I've said it there, but I could see Tuchel doing that. J.K. Yes, and I think that's what he'll do. I think you're absolutely correct. I think he'll play Chilwell because Chilwell had a, a a good ten minutes. He looked very fit and together. Um, Kukureya, who was uh, like all of them, slightly rabbit in the headlights. I think you're right. He'll play him um, as one of the three. And I don't think Chalabar's going to make it. And I think he will play uh, Loftus-Cheek um, uh, on the wing again, wing back, and he'll play James in the middle, which I think is wasted. You mean on the but, right? Yeah, on, on the right in the middle of the three. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but I, I'm having said that, um, there's so much toing and froing now in the way that football is played. There are so many patterns being, different patterns being played as the game evolves. that Because we've seen... Loftus Cheek come inside and swap, and he's put in, and uh, uh, James has then gone gone to uh, um, wing back, uh, and people move all over the place. He even admit, admitted it today in the press conference. He said, um, "With five subs, everything changes." He said he actually thinks tactically every side is um, improving, and he thinks the the one of the reasons why he was asked why Liverpool weren't doing very well, and he said, "Well, I, I haven't got an answer, but." Every other team is has come up. The standard is coming up. Tactically, they're understanding what to do and they're changing it within the game. And uh, so um, it's a question now whether you look at teams from the beginning and think that's the best side or whether you think actually this is a side that he will then change halfway through. So because of the five substitutes, which I think makes an enormous difference. So he's almost setting up for two two teams for each half or two teams for different three, two and a half teams, two and three, or th- wherever, wherever they are mixing them around for the whole of the game. He's making, you know, after 60 minutes, he'll be, he'll be, he's done his running. So we'll change him. We'll change the pattern accordingly. So um, uh, the likelihood is it will move around because I don't think that James playing in the, in the three at the back is, does a great deal for the team. And yet if it, if it works at the moment and he then changes it and James goes to play wing back, well then, so be it. You know, I, I don't have the same um, um, uh, worry, Tony, about Sterling and Mountain Havertz. I think they'll come into it, actually, if, if we don't get Aubameyang. I actually think Havertz, Havertz did wander around a little bit like a um, spare prick at a wedding the other day. But nonetheless, I thought he was... Uh, he was good against Spurs. He was very good against Spurs. And I, I and he actually, some of the stats have been really intriguing looking at stats. He did do a huge number of runs and he just wasn't involved. I also think... He's a class striker. He's scored some great goals. I just don't think he's quite on top of it at the moment. And I think I think he'll get better. Same with Sterling. Sterling was almost trying too hard in the same way that Gallagher was, particularly against Leeds. Should have scored uh, first forty seconds. We've talked about that just by by he, he tried to get it into the corner and, uh, and and hit it wide. And I think 
if he scores, I think he'll score some more. But I also I also think he would work better if we did have a Bamiyang, if we had a striker. I think we'd see his merit as a as a contributor, as an assister. Um, and Mason never stops running still and was fantastic against Spurs. Um, uh, and obviously Jorginho playing against Leeds was, you know, awful last week, but they couldn't do anything about it because who else was there? There's nobody. And Gallagher, I think, will come into it. I think this business of, you know, the, the vultures keep appearing every time Gallagher didn't have a great game. So immediately the stories was, yes, he's he's off to Palace. Yes, he's he's they're not going to use him anymore. He's integral to the side, Gallagher. He just needs to be playing in the right position, I think. And also he, he played so well for Palace last year. We're not looking at a player who's uh, um, undiscovered or hasn't got to prove himself. He proved himself in the Premier League has been terrific. And so um, I just think it's a question of it somehow working for him in a way, plays in a... Uh, I mean, as as, as Liam said, he, he normally plays um, much more like no, a, an eight. He's a number eight, not a number six. He's a number eight, yeah, yeah. But I think he's going to have at the moment to play a little bit to get out of position in order to cope, but he won't have the same stress that he had against Leeds, who were... Um, uh, it was just a, it was a kind of perfect storm for Chelsea that you know. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's, it, it's not rocket science, is it, J.K.? And we said this on Monday. Tuchel said it in the post-match presser as well, and actually, he said it in the pre-match presser. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That there are several teams in the league who will play Leeds and Southampton, and I think Liverpool was the other one he mentioned. You yeah. know, and and play this way. But I, I yeah. think let's, let's take Liverpool out of the equation for a minute. But Southampton and Leeds, we 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 invariably in recent times have had trouble with. Because they press the shit out of our midfield, which means it wrests control of the game away from us. You know, Jorginho does not play well against teams. Play well in that environment. No, no, no. he doesn't. That's why you need Kovacic for that. We yeah. just—it was unfortunate that Kovacic has been injured now. Well, and, and, and Kante, of course. And Kante as well. Yeah. But um, but I think, um, uh, will, but you know, you, you may be absolutely right. I don't. But I think Chalabar is just not in, is he? He's not. He's not. He's a non-you. Something happened. There's He's a non-you. Something wrong. Yeah, uh, something. I, 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 a few people I've spoken to have said, "What has Chalabar done wrong?" What, done and I wrong. can't think of anything on the field that no, he, wrong. He's, done, we, he's we, made we, a few mistakes over the season, but he's young, and no, defenders no, no, are going to. Koulibaly no, made a no, fucking no, howler last week. But yeah, once again, we don't know what's happening in training. You know, you don't know. It's the same way with with clearly they brought these blokes in, and the fact that Billy Gilmore isn't involved at all makes, speaks volumes to me. It's no good people up watching social media saying, you know, what's happened to Gilmore? They're all mad. He should be playing. He's a great player. They're basing this on his Everton performance from two seasons ago, and he may since then have just not. Well, been we able we to said it, to... didn't we? He hasn't trained on, which is which no, can, no. can happen to kids who are no, that young. Can. That's well, right. Josh McEachern. Well, there we go. Exact. Great, great case in point. Tony, what do you think of my team selection versus? I think what... that's the team I'd like to see. Yeah, uh, and I'd like to see it because it has got Shalabar in it, um, and I think it's you know it's, and Gallagher. Um, your choice. You got? Could you put in? You know, could you could you put um, uh, Loftus uh, RLC in there? Uh, somewhere because I, I didn't see the game, but apparently he had an absolute blinder against Spurs. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, um, and and I want to see that, and I want to see these academy products coming in. I think Gallagher for me is is an exciting prospect, and and I, I would sit here like everybody saying, why can't you just play him in the position that he you know that he's best suited for, his best position, um, 
and, and yeah, I find myself with a bit of cognitive dissonance there because I'm also the, 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 the man who sits there and says they're professional footballers. They should be able to pretty much play anywhere they bloody well told to play. Um, but and so it's frustrating because it's square pegs, round holes uh, 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 again. Um, but I'd like to see that too. But I'm, I'm more worried about uh, uh, the, the home form and Leicester and bogey teams well, and that kind of thing, which you've mentioned. I know it's, it's well, further John, down. Uh, well, no, no, no. I'd I, I read it out now because I, I, was, I was absolutely shocked by this, Tony, because I, I had absolutely no idea. But we've got we're on a run of just two wins in our last seven home Premier League games, and mm. uh, you know we've Against drawn. No, no, no. This is in total, oh. right? Drawn total, right, right. so two wins, drawn three, lost two. Uh, recent head-to-head history against Leicester at home is also nothing. Well, I, I don't know if, if this is home form, but it's uh, we've won one, drawn three, lost one. I can confirm that because I've got the actual D hole printout. But we we've. Yeah, we we beat Leicester at home 2-1, which is the match that clinched uh, Champions League qualification. We drew 1-1 with them last season, again, last match of the season. Uh, we drew with them the season before that, 2019. We lost 1-0 in 2018. We drew 0-0 in uh, January 2018. We won 3-0 in 2016. So they were obviously not in the, the Premier League for a couple of years. So it's not a... I mean, our, our overall record against Leicester in the Premier League, we've played 16, won eight, drawn six, lost two. So it's not too shabby. But recently, they've been a bit difficult to, to, to put away. So there you go, Tony. You're spot uh, it, worries, it worries me because they've, they've, they've had a shit start, haven't they? Let's face it. Um, the only side uh, that hasn't won yet. Yeah, and I, th- I think that worries me because who... Let, you know, let's, let's go back to those dark old days when um, when Crystal Palace couldn't buy a goal, let alone a win. Was that three or four years ago um, under Hodgson? I think they were absolutely, absolutely unbelievably atrocious until we turned up on their doorstep. And then they gave us a, a pay home. I think they beat us 3-1 or something like that. We, we just... Well, Jonathan kind of alluded to it earlier. That, you know, we these teams that we expect to beat um, are, are often the more dangerous ones. Um, so Leicester... And I'd like to think that after, you know, I'd like to think every single player in that Chelsea squad and the manager and everybody else are burning with embarrassment over what happened at Leeds. All right. And we'll be fired up and that we'll get there. And at three o'clock, we'll think, Christ almighty, the first 20 minutes will just be a blitz from us. We'll be two goals up, controlled. But something tells me it doesn't work like that. You know, this is... This, this is going to be one of those games. You, like you said, you've mentioned it yourself, Madison. Um, well, Madison you know, Madison's an injury doubt for them tomorrow. Is he indeed? Yeah, oh, yeah. That does slightly... It's Tielemans on the bench again. I've no he... idea. I, I, he's available. Yeah. He's sold as well, they've been talking about. I don't understand. What happened to Schmeichel? Did he just come to the end I, of his Nobody, contract? Nobody seems to know because it's a, it was a very odd decision to let him go. But let him go. Hey, yeah, old, on old. Whoa, where have I been? I've been You've been in France, France, mate. You've been lost in France. What happened? What do you mean they let him go? They let him go. They let Schmeichel go. He's gone go. to Nice. Yeah. He's gone to Nice. He's the Nice goalkeeper now. He went to see really? you. He went to see you in France, Tony, to let you know personally. 
Well, we could have got him as backup for Monday. Well, there we go. Yeah, but anyway, so Schmeichel's no longer at Leicester. But I mean, wow. let's be honest. Leicester, wow. Leicester are in in a real pickle at the moment. Rogers is the favourite to get the sack first of any Premier League manager, and seems to be doing yeah. his usual. You know, when 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 Rogers is about to get fired, he basically dithers doing fuck all for weeks, and he's in that kind of frame of mind. They've not made any signings at all. Uh, for Farner's on the naughty step because we want to buy him. So. You know, and Rogers has got an atrocious record uh, against uh, against Chelsea. I think each of Rogers' seven Premier League visits to his former home saw the team he was managing score exactly one goal. But uh, Leicester have managed just one clean sheet in their last twenty-seven games on the road, uh, whilst Rogers has faced his old club twenty times more than any other opposition, but tasted victory only twice. So you is know, it, it's four years he's been there now. I think, I mean, yeah, about that, isn't it? You know, yeah. So maybe, maybe it's run its course. I don't know. But it, uh, you it, know, it look, kind of run its course with Liverpool, didn't it? It looked promising, and then. But the, the reality, Tony, is it's a good time to play Leicester and a bad time to play Leicester. I totally well, get what you mean. You know, exactly. we're, we're charity FC turn up, don't they? When a yes. side's on a on a poor patch of form, the, the, the goalkeeper's not as good, nowhere near as good as Schmeich. Danny Ward and uh, it's Yunchu's not playing. Madison is, uh, you say, a doubt. He's a terrific player, Madison. What about Harvey Barnes? Tielemans was on the bench. I think Barnes has been their main striker. Vardy's the, still there. The Dewsbury, Dewsbury Hall is one of their better players. Is Vardy injured? And no, 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 he's, no he's, he's playing. Um, Vestergaard's a good player. Um, indeed, he plays, but uh, um, you don't look at them and think. You know, this is the, this is one of the sides that's that's playing terrifically, just because they appear to have gone on a kind of of, of, of any opportunity for somebody to leave. And what happened to Ryan Bertrand? He was playing quite injured. Regularly. Injured. He's injured as well, is he? Uh, okay. So they're not going to play for Farner, um, um, because he'll be. You know, his his head has been turned. Um, but Barnes and Vardy are still decent players. You know, um. Vardy is always likely to just punt the ball up the pitch and he'll, he'll run after it and beat you to it. You've got to be on your, you've got to be really swift. With we'll him. need some legs in defence then. Indeed. And he, well, you know, so uh, I don't think it'll be Dave from the beginning if that's the case, because Dave, Dave, I think you'll bring Dave on actually. I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, I think he'll play. I think that's a, a we didn't think about that. Vardy, of course, is always there for that enormous punt up the pitch that they run yeah. after. Yeah. You know, so, uh, um, I'm trying to think who else have they Well, that, that JK, that's a good point, because I think that will be their tactic. They will park the bus and they'll try and hit us on the counter. Yeah. They're yeah. going to make it very difficult to play through. You know, it could be a, it could be a, a really annoying, very frustrating performance. I mean, hence, hence the low scores in recent years, I think. I tell you what does worry me, though, talking about horrible stats, um, and that is that we've conceded, on average, two goals per game across our last seven home Premier League matches. That's not good, is it? I'm quite surprised to see that one in there as well. This is a stat that I absolutely love in terms of its complete and utter meaningless. You'll know this when I've said it. Uh, No team has taken more corners than Chelsea in the Premier League, 30. What it doesn't say is that 28 of them were absolutely shit. (laughs) The... um... I was reading. I, I, about, had, I, yeah. I, I had hope last season because we we started to see corners beating the first man. I mean, I know this is. I know it's a controversial concept, right? Taking a corner that actually <laughs> beats the first man. Yeah, but it's it, if it's easy, if it's it, it beats the first man, if it's lobbed up in the air with no pace on it, which is what no. they, appears to be the alt that they're doing at the moment. Yeah. Mount takes this huge kind of lollipop corner. Yeah, 
beats the first man, but you know, there's no chance of any Chelsea player getting on the end of it. No, but I, I nothing makes my heart sink quite like a no, short corner or a quick free kick. They've got something wrong with with the set pieces. Still, mm. they've still oh, got apart, apart from Cucurella to Kulibali. Uh, no, it could be, yeah, but apparently that was worked out. It was an away swinger played deep because the, everybody is marked and everybody is a blocker and everybody runs into certain positions. So you've got roles to play as a, at corners. But you just think, how is it then that, that so many other teams score from corners and yet we just aimlessly take them and nothing happens? I mean, I agree completely. 30 with no consequence other than the Kula Valley goal for <laughs> Say. Well, I thought, I, I thought you would love that one. I knew, I knew you would love that one. Anyway, you know, what, I, well, what, what do they pay the bloody bloke? I, but I love this flash score. It's a betting website, so they come out with some really mad stats. But they're not. They're, they're being a bit disingenuous with that one. Listen, how do you think it's going to go, Tony? Um, I mean, it's it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because I, the way we've been teeing it up, you know, not many goals. It's going to be a bit of a drab affair. You know, Leicester are going to park the bus, try and hit us in the break. We're going to struggle to break them down because we always struggle to break teams down. Hmm, what do you think? I predicted the Leeds 3-0, right? But I predicted it for us. Yes, well, me too. Um, And uh, as much as I'd love to think Christ will go out there, we'll be off, you know, we'll it'll be all guns blazing from the start, you know, quick off the blocks and all this sort of stuff. I can't remember the last time I saw us do that. Uh, now, bearing in mind, I've not seen any of the games live this season so far. Um, but I'm, I am going to go for a rather drag 1-1. One, 1-1? One. One, one. Yeah, I, 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 I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. I just can't. Um, and I think that... I don't think we'll be as bad... You know, charity FC as we've been before, because I think there'll be some burning from last week. But one-one, I, I it's it's so early in the season as well. I think the, the biggest thing on their mind will be let's just not lose. Mm. J.K. Um, I think we'll be too good for them. Um, I think you're right, Tony. They'll score, but I, I think we'll score a couple. I think they'll score a a, a, a ridiculous goal. You know, an embarrassing goal where, as I said. <laughs> Ball's booted up the pitch and it bounces off a few people and gets tapped in. Um, <laughs> so we're talking Keystone Cops, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. But I think we'll score a couple. I think we'll win 2-1. I think that'll be... Uh, I think we'll have a lot of chances which we'll miss because that appears to be the big part of the course at the moment. Yeah. But um, uh, And also that's a kind of safety thing because I keep thinking, I'd like to say we'll win 4-1 because I think we'll have that dominance over them. But... We, we'll just miss, but we just can't put the ball in the net still. And, and knowing that tactically he's keen to try and get the ball as, as to the wings as much as possible and do those passes, and we haven't. And I think Kovacic come on and probably change it a bit later on. But um, yeah, I think I think it, I think we'll win, but it'll it'll be a simple two-one. Mm. Well, um, I'm determined this season to be the eternal optimist, and I I think tomorrow is the day it's going to come relatively good, and we might actually see Sterling get off the mark. And then we might score some goals. Uh, I'm going to go for 3-1. Um, I do agree with you. I think Leicester will score uh, because I'm not entirely convinced with our defence yet. Uh, and we do seem to like conceding goals at home, which I didn't realise before. But I do think, I do think. I mean, Kerry, who I spoke to just before we went on air, Kerry Dixon, he also says 3-1. And he thinks we're going to score really early. And of course, I think if we do score really early, it becomes a very, very different game. And of course, 
this is nothing new. I mean, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it. Um, you know, at Leeds, when uh, if we'd have scored first, that would have been an entirely different game. Uh, Spurs, you can't. I think was a was an outlier because basically Anthony Taylor gave them that draw. They were nowhere. They were not even at the races for most of that. Uh, can you believe we're having this conversation about him again, Chidge? I mean. I mean, it's just, it is appalling that the referees can influence the game so much. Uh, uh. I know it is, isn't it? Oh. But, you know, I, mean, I think 3-1 because I just think, I think it's going to click tomorrow. That's my hope anyway, so I'm going to stick with it. Uh, and anyway, talking of predictions, um, there's only one person really that we should be deferring to on all things prediction-wise at the moment, and that is a certain Mr. Kidd. I can tell you officially that in our week three of the Prem Predictions League, a certain Mr. Kidd was the performer of the week. Bloody hell. I don't, it was a complete fluke. I don't think I, that I've been able to say that ever. I mean, he's clearly the performer of the week because he, he's, you know, he's on the show and he turns in a performance. But no, he's been, he was brilliant. He's actually up to 36th as a result. Uh, so he's on page one. He never got off the bottom never three. Never before. No, he's in, he's in <laughs> nosebleed territory for JK. But he got a whopping 126 points in a week, JK, where across the entire board, so not just our league, the entire 1,500 or so people involved, the average score last week was 28 points. 30, shush. So it was an absolute... It's like 30, I'm... shush. <laughs> yeah. Well, trust me, it'll it'll go back to normal this week. Well, I mean, mate, I I, t- I take my hat off to you because everybody else had a shocker. Uh, only Adam Kobelka, who got 112 points, got over 100. So well done, you, mate. Um, I, you've, you've even got a few spot ons, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just share with the listener what you did to to get it right. You got uh, you got you got some spot ons, I think, didn't you? Let me have a look. You got the yeah. walls right. You got. Leicester wrong, Fulham wrong. You got Everton Forest right. You got the completely spot on. You got Palace Villa the correct result. You got the correct Arsenal result, the correct Brighton result. You got Leeds and Chelsea wrong. Nobody got that right in the entire thing. And you got the Newcastle City draw right. And you were you were you didn't get the United win right, but then not many people did. So well done. 126 points for JK. He's on sterling form. Who else is on sterling form? Well, Tim McConnell is still our top boy. He's still out there on his own. He's got 404 points, even though he had a shocker uh, last week. He only got 21 points. But he's on 404. He's, he's streaked yeah, ahead. I just want to put in here that um, I see JK hundred twenty six. I think Adam Kabelka, 112. Yeah. Uh, I think the one after that then is uh, a certain me on 90. Yeah. I got 90 points last yeah, but week. But you don't you count. Know. Because you didn't get the most points of anybody in the I week, so you are not, therefore, the performer well, of the week. This is, that's like not crediting the assistant. I'm going to get to you in a minute, okay? So you <laughs> park, park your bus. Uh, anyway, Tim McConnell is still our out-and-out leader, 404 points. He had a bit of a shocker last week, so I won't bother telling you what he got. As far as the fan casters are concerned, I had an absolute fucking shocker. I got 13 points, so I'm down to 16th, which means Dean Mears is our top fan cast. He's in 8th position. Uh, Martin and Dan are tied in 20th. Marco Worrell, last year's champion, is in 27th. Uh, oh, yeah, some bloke called Tony Glover, who did actually do quite well last week. He got 90 yeah. points, as he was saying. He's in 61st position. Well done, Tony. Yeah, well, you, you know, from, from, from acorns to oaks. Bro. I know. Well, that's put it this way. It was a lot better than Dane, 
who is in 63rd, yes. who got... Uh, oh, how, Dane, how did you get minus 42 points? Were, were you like cribbing from JK or something? Yeah, from experience, it it's easily done, Chidge. Was, yeah. he, was, he, was he scoring from the QIL? Oh, mate, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, bottom, of, bottom of the Chelsea fancast pack is Mark Meehan, remarkably. He got minus two. So he's in 86th place. Now, as you know, we've got some ex-players involved as well. We've got Pat Nevin, Kerry Dixon, Paul Cannaval, and would you believe it, Chris Sutton. No, I didn't invite him. Uh, Kiro did. Anyway, Pat's the top of the pack for the ex-players. He's in 29th. He's got 233 points. Kerry is in 34th. He's got 217 points. Uh, Chris Sutton is in 64th. I'm pleased to say he got minus 28 last week. Uh, and Canners, uh, who at the moment is relying on me to do it for him. I got him 110 <laughs> points last week, but I've paid it back. I told Kerry this earlier on, JK, and he yeah. just fell off his seat laughing because I managed to get Paul minus 22 this week. So well, that was fair because you would got him a lot last week. That's so right. Was, so he's yeah. in he's in 84th. But uh, how absolutely fat JK, I, I, mate, you know, having taken the piss out of you for a, a, an entire year last year, uh, for being rubbish at this and saying, mate, you need to play it properly. Come on, come on. I'm just delighted to see that you've uh, you've done so well last week. Well done, you. Thank you. Very much. But I fear, as I say, that it may all fall apart. But you never know. That's the beauty of it. I mean, that yeah. is the beauty. One week you can be absolutely awful and the next you can be brilliant and you go rocketing up the league. Uh, it's the people who do it consistently every week that I cannot fathom out at all. There's no rhyme or reason to it. But, Tony, it's great fun, isn't it? It is. I love doing it. I, 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 I you know, um, do, do you remember? I think I might well have once said this, but it just proves that no one knows anything about football. It does. I think you could. I couldn't have put that better myself. Now, uh, somebody who knows an awful lot about football certainly had to score goals. Was a certain Kerry Dixon, um, and I can't, I'm I'm delighted to say that uh, the Kerry Dixon banner is back. I've seen evidence of it hanging in the Matthew Harding. Uh, which is where it belongs. And uh, the reason I'm telling you this is obviously because I'm very excited, but also because it's had an upgrade. You know, we've made it a bigger banner and we've made the 9-3 clearer because it couldn't really be seen. So you've got, you know, in white, one Kerry Dixon and in between the one and the Kerry, you've got 93 with a white outline. So it all stands out a lot clearer. 193 was, of course, the number of goals he scored for Chelsea. And the Dave one is up as well. Indeed. And the Zola... And another banner that I've forgotten. And in fact, uh, Brian Wolf has upgraded it to uh, he's won it all before it's let's call him Dave. No, I like, I like that. He has won it all. So there we go. So I can't wait to go tomorrow because I will have a lovely view of my of our. Sorry, I should say our banner because it's the Chelsea Fancast banner. And the banner is up there thanks to the lovely people who uh, who, who who joined us on Patreon and who funded the banner as a consequence so it's our banner and it's a good opportunity for me to say number one thank you uh, all the chelsea fancast patreon people for funding it and secondly if you want to join uh, chelsea fancast patreon uh, it's patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast there's no pressure you know you can pay as much or as little as you want there are no tears or anything like that it's just really lovely if you if you fancy bunging us a few quid every month you do get a mini version of the kerry dixon banner i'm talking about and i'll send that to you in the post and of course you get to join our wonderful lovely discord group which is like twitter without the bullshit and uh, there's some fantastic people many of whom listen live so if you want to kind of like 
do the Mixler thing 24-7 with your mates that you see in Mixler, a lot of them are in, are, in, uh, are in the Discord group. So there we go. I commend it all to you. There you go. That's about all we've got time for this week. Uh, we will be back, of course. Ah, slight program change. Slight program change. Of course, it is Bank Holiday Monday, and we know what happens on a Bank Holiday Monday. Mrs Chidge bans me from doing a podcast on a Bank Holiday Monday. I would normally do it on a Tuesday. Slight problem, because I'm going to Saints Away on Tuesday, which leaves us no other option but to do it on a Sunday evening at 7pm. So we will be back with the Right Honourable Dan Silver and JK, of course, at 7pm. We'll be looking back at the match against Leicester and we'll be looking ahead to the match against Southampton on the Tuesday evening. So there we go. So sorry about that. Of course, now I now I probably will find out that I didn't bother telling J.K. and Dan, and they're going to go. Chidge, 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 we'd be doing something on Sunday. I am. I'm playing cricket. So you can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. Oh, okay. So we might. Did you not read the schedule when I sent it to you? Because I did yeah. actually say it was Sunday. I could come. You know, I could come in a little bit late. If you we like. could start it later if you want. Could you do that? Yeah, that eight o'clock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll do it at eight. Yeah, is that going to work? Cool. There you go. We will have Jay. He will go to the ball after all. How Thank delightful. You. Thank you. Um, I, I probably won't see you tomorrow because I've got to fly about a lot, but uh, I'm sure you'll be uh, at the game enjoying it. Have you got a nice guest tomorrow? I'm bringing my daughter. Ah, I'm bringing Georgia. Hey. I am, yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, thank you. Good. Well, I hope you and Georgia enjoy the game. I'm sure you will. So I'd bring her along to the... Uh... To the cock, but she'd say, "Yeah, oh God, Daddy. Well, I, I don't know anything about football. It'll be embarrassing." Yeah. So uh, I'm not yeah. doing that. Yet. Well, I, I might. I'm probably going to swerve the cock tomorrow because I'm going to meet up with Martin in the Atlas beforehand. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I might, but I've also now got a drive up there, which means I can't really drink too much, which is a bit of a blow. But uh, I'll see you uh, tomorrow in the Atlas, then, Tony, at one o'clock. Absolutely, mate. Yes, and I think you're right because once you're in the Atlas, it's, you've got to walk back past the stall, go all the way back to the cock, and it's like. Well, you know, no, just just uh, sit sit down. Let's have a. There'll be a few people. The thing there, is, the the cock was rammed the other week, and yeah. you know, I'd get the right royal hump if I don't get served almost immediately. So yeah. I, can't, I can't be hanging around in a queue, you know, five deep waiting for a beer. Life is too short. Yeah. So you know, I, I I I that put me off a bit, and I I did actually go down to the Duke on the green, and saw um Dean, didn't I? Oh, not not that Dean, the Dean that was. Uh, with JK at the Palace away game. Oh. Yes. So yes. I had a lovely time there. So it's a good boozer. But no, definitely meeting Martin in the Atlas on Saturday. I'll see you there too, Tony, about one o'clock. I Indeed, should be driving mate. up. I'll, I'll, I'll try and be there for one o'clock. Yeah. Excellent. And I hope to see you in the Bat and Ball pub in Hambledon on Monday, lunchtime. Monday. Yeah, just let us know what time you're going to be there. Yeah. And we'll be, uh, we will avail ourselves of the, um, host, the that hostelry. I haven't been there for a long time. It used to be my local... Used to be my go-to pub every week. I used to be there every Friday and Saturday night. Well, there you every- go. I've not been there for years, so I'm looking no. forward to it. Be interesting, wouldn't yeah. it? Where yeah. cricket was supposed to have been first played. That's right, because cricket it's was invented the- in Hampshire. Yeah, where the rules were first laid down. So the the middle, uh, the three bales was one of the things mm. that was there that came down. There we or go. two bales, sorry. It was a, yeah. yeah, three stumps because before there yeah, was three a, stumps. That's right, because it was, just, it was two stumps. It was, with it, it was a twig. It was right. like there was yeah. no there was no middle stump. Like right. they, they deigned it. They deigned it. it. Would be it was unfair that the bowler would beat the batsman, and it goes and, through the hole. Yeah, yes, yeah. potentially yeah. that. And there's, it's full of old memorabilia of, of you know. I mean, and I, I used to say to the governor there, he said, "Are you worried that someone will come and nick it?" He said, "No real cricket fan would ever nick it." 
he said, and if someone did nick it, no real cricket fan would ever buy it. Yep, he's dead right. He's dead right. There we go. So I'm seeing a double dose of Tony this weekend. How lucky am I? There you go. Uh, yes. All of you lot out there, uh, enjoy the show. I hope you've enjoyed the show if you've listened to it. And uh, obviously enjoy the match tomorrow if you're going. If you're not going, and I hope you enjoy it wherever you're watching it from. And we will see you all again on Sunday. Thank you for listening. See you Sunday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Yeah, Up the chels! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.